Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Sandra Boynton is the author of Good Night, Good Night. Sandra is a beloved American cartoonist, children's author, songwriter, and highly sporadic short film writer-director. Starting with the 1977 publication of Hippos Go Berserk, Boynton has written and illustrated 70 children's books and seven general audience books, including five New York Times bestsellers. Her renowned books include The Going to Bed Book, Barnyard Dance, Snuggle Puppy, Blue Hat, Green Hat, Belly Button Book, Doggies, Spooky Pookie, Jungle Night, and But Not the Hippopotamus. And for grown-ups, Chocolate, The Consuming Passion. More than 70 million, 70 million of her books have been sold, quote, mostly to friends and family, she says. Boynton has also written and produced six albums of unconventional children's music, which includes performances by Brian Wilson, Brad Paisley, Kevin Klein, Casey Moosegraves, Blues Traveler, Alison Krauss, Meryl Streep, Spin Doctors, Davy Jones, Dwight Yoakam, Patti Lapone, Neil Sedaka, and Weird Al Yankovic in a duet with Kate Winslet. Three of Boynton's albums have been certified gold, over 500,000 copies sold, and Philadelphia Chickens, nominated for a Grammy, has gone platinum 
Platinum, with over a million copies sold. Boynton has also written and directed 12 short musical films, including One Shoes Blues, starring B.B. King, and two animated shorts, When Pigs Fly, sung by Ryan Adams, and Tyrannosaurus Funk, sung by Samuel L. Jackson, which won the 2018 Grand Prize for Best Children's Animation Short from the Rhode Island International Film Festival. Her most recent musical collaborations were three small and quirky projects with Yo-Yo Ma in 2020. In 2008, Boynton received the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Cartoonist Society. Boynton has four perfect children and two equally perfect grandchildren. She and her late husband, a writer and whitewater expeditionist, raised their family on a very old New England farm. Her studio there is a converted barn that has perhaps the only hippopotamus weather vane in America. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss, oh my gosh, all of your amazing work, especially Good Night, Good Night, which has recently come out in new form. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's so crazy too, because I used to read this book all the time. My twins, I have four kids. My twins are now 14. And when they were tiny, this was like our go-to. I'm not just saying this. I mean, I guess I could just (laughs) be saying this, but it happens to be the truth that this would be the book I would read all the time. You know, now everybody goes below. Anyway, I can't believe like now you're re-releasing this book, slightly tweaked, and it's the same book and here we are. It's just crazy. Well, it it is the same book. And I had thought until somebody asked me, oh, I loved this book in its longer form when it was when I was little. And I thought, oh, that's right. It did have a longer form. I think that preceded the board book. So I went back and looked at it and it didn't precede the board book. It was three years later, <laughs> but I was excited to redraw it and revisit it. And when I redraw a book, I try very much not to change it significantly, to to honor where I was. So it's actually kind of interesting because I sort of go, oh, why why did she do it that way? In other words, I'm looking at my much younger artist self and seeing it afresh, which is fun. Wow. So you literally, so you, you start, like, how did you illustrate these pages? Like what compute, did you do it online? I don't even have the right questions for this. Like, how did you? (laughs) I don't have the right answers for it either. So (laughs) it's actually pretty complex. I mean, originally, obviously I drew everything by hand. There were not computers and stuff. And I do a, a mix these days, but if I'm redrawing something, I actually have to do it on the computer because I need to put the original page and a new page above it so that I'm really following what I did and, and redoing it. And I, I work very oddly. I just found out though that I'm not the only person. I use a mouse because I didn't like, I tried tablets and I didn't like them. There's a latency in them that I didn't like. So it's actually amusing for anyone who visits to watch now me drawing with this mouse on my desktop, looking at the screen, but it's actually kind of fun. It's a little bit of a, a brain tease to do it. Wow. And then what about the writing of it? The writing, I follow exactly the way it was written before. In terms of the typography, the great advantage of computers for me is I used to have to wait for it to be typeset. And by the time you saw it, it was too late to change it. And the great thing about for me, in a sense, I'm now doing my own typography and my own separations. And it means I've gotten much better at it because I can say, oh, this would look great green. And then I try it green. I go, no, that looks terrible. green. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's, it's exciting. It's really fun. Wow. Well, how did you start 
using all the, like, where did your style come from? Because it's so unique and so recognizable and your characters are, you know, you can always tell that they're like part of your family, right? A character that you do. <laughs> I don't know if it's the, I mean, I know every illustrator must have their own style and everything. And, but how do you, how did you come up with this? How have you like taken it through the ages? How do you keep coming up with like 8 million book ideas that are constantly entertaining? Well, well, fear of getting a real job is a significant part of that. <laughs> no, in terms of style, actually, there's a quotation that my son sent me a while ago from a famous comic book illustrator. And I love this quotation. So it's now on my desk. I'm going to read it to you because he, he put it in a frame. Style is the result of the shortcuts and errors in an artist's approach. <laughs> and so I think it's true that and I think it's, I'm guessing it's true for other creatives as well. What you can't do naturally, you find your own workarounds to or your own way. So it's not like you're saying, oh, I need my own style. I need my own voice. You're saying, this is the best I can do. (laughs) (laughs) And, And since I've met now a lot of cartoonists, especially, who are just remarkably skillful and and I'm just still not at that level. So it's exciting to see that people can do that. And I'm now glad that I couldn't because I did have to develop my own style. And I started selling my my own artwork when I was in college. And you and I went to the same college. I was going to mention I, that. Yes, I, I saw I put, you went to Yale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought I put them up. I was a junior. And I, I created my own summer job because I didn't want a waitress again. So I, was, I had an uncle who was a printer. And he printed some of my artwork just for gift enclosure cards. There were no messages. And he printed them on watercolor paper. So they're just a line. And then I hand colored them all. So I spent the summer hand painting literally 60,000 gift enclosure cards. Now they're, they're not very complex paintings, but still that's a lot. And I sold them myself. And so I continued to sell them as an undergraduate and the, the master of the former Calhoun college, let me put them up in the entryway in a in a frame for people to contact me and buy them. So it goes way back. Wow. That's so cool. Calhoun had good lunches. I, I was in Davenport, <laughs> but you know, I had a friend in Calhoun. So anyway. Yeah. They, 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 it, was a, it was a great dining hall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting how these residential colleges keep their character through the years with zero overlap in the people. It's fascinating. It's true. It's so true. Wow. So you started out go with a leg up from your master <laughs> in Calhoun, which yeah, exactly. for people listening, that's like the dean, basically, not a dean, but like the head of the residential college. They call it like the head of, and anyway, the house parent or whatever. I mean, it sounds bad now when you say it out loud, but anyway, <laughs> so he gave you your start. And then what happened after college? Did you, like, what did you do next? I actually went to grad school in drama. At Berkeley, right? At Berkeley. Did I make that up? Oh, I did. I went to Berkeley. Okay, I, went okay. to UC, I went to UC Berkeley and I didn't especially like it there. So I finished one year, took a year off. And then I went to the Yale School of Drama and I was there for a year and a half. I didn't especially like it there. And so I have the credit of having dropped out of two esteemed drama schools. But I was already, by the time I was at Berkeley, I was already designing cards professionally because I had met a company in the summer between college and grad school. I was trying to now sell my designs to someone else to do all the production and selling them to stores. And I was so lucky to meet the two. They they were very ancient guys who had started a company called Recycled Paper Products. They must have been 26 or 27, pretty (laughs) good guys. And they took over the designs. And we were all so lucky. They 
the designs took off right away. And because there really wasn't anything, because as you say, I have my own style, they just didn't look like anything else in the marketplace. And the, the you know, Mike and Phil, the two guys who from Amherst who'd started the company were smart enough to let me do white backgrounds on them, which made them stick out from every other card because nobody did white backgrounds. So I was already... I was really lucky. I was already established by the time by the time I dropped out of the second graduate school. I, I was I was already in a profession. Wow! And then when did you turn to books? Ah, I actually been doing books since I was a tiny kid. I I did my first children's book, which I didn't remember when I was age four. My sister. My oldest sister, when she was in college, was doing a report on children's literature on the and on the way children draw. And she found this old book of mine, four pages long, and I've now memorized it. (laughs) It was called A Funny Animal. And it goes, once there was a funny animal, he had a birthday party. All the animals came. They did not like it. So they left. The end. (laughs) That's a kind of a predecessor to Hippo's Go Berserk. (laughs) And that sounds like I had an unhappy childhood. I had an excruciatingly happy childhood. (laughs) But I just kept, I just kept doing drawings and writing. And I was lucky to go to a Quaker school in Philadelphia straight through. My dad was a teacher at Germantown Friends. So I went from kindergarten through 12th grade. And the arts were the center of the curriculum. Uh, It's an excellent academic school, but it's a really wise perception that strength in the arts benefits everyone in, in every discipline. So, you know, you could be an art major at, at Germantown Friends. You could take the subject as seriously as history or as French or as, and I took it more seriously than history or French, but they're wonderful teachers. So, and every year we had to do a special project. So one year it would be draw a bestiary, you know, which is a a book of imaginary animals. And that actually was my first published work. I was 15 and it was up in the halls of the school and someone from the Philadelphia Bulletin saw it and asked if they could publish a page highlighting the book. So that was my first published work. I made 40 whole dollars from that. Wow. Hard to spend it all in one place. (laughs) Exactly. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. And have you always wanted to like gear your work towards kids? I mean, I know some of the, not, not everything is right. You have like so many brand extensions that you've done and calendar, you know, you, but like, is that always, is that playful? Did you always know that that you wanted to center things that way? I don't think my, I don't think my work is just geared at kids. I think at all. I think part of the appeal of my children's books and the music that I've done is that they're not condescending and they're just appealing to people. Yeah, very. <laughs> so I, you know, and my greeting cards weren't for children at all. The one, so where I first, you know, became known for cards, it was just humor. So I think, you know, people sort of say, so what's your profession? And I tend to say I'm a cartoonist. And, you know, I wrote a book a long time ago, Chocolate, the Consuming Passion. It's a you know, it's a complete send up. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's actually a scholarly study of chocolate, but done in a very humorous way. So it has the same. It's funny that people now see my characters and they say these are for kids because they didn't see them that way. And it's also funny that when I've done a book that isn't for children, that's humor for, for adults, it often gets put in the kids section and people misread it as being for children. So I think the connotation has come with the later success of the books. And then I don't think it was always there. Okay. I'm sorry. I feel like I offended oh. you with the question. Oh, in my mind, not. it's like, obviously as an adult, I consume what you do as well. And there is always some of that to every children's book anyway. Oh my goodness. But I, but I, I just view it you It didn't offend like, me in the least. Okay. No, it's a, it's a legitimate question. No, I... I didn't, I hope I didn't sound prickly because it doesn't. No, no, I, I just I, like, I, I just need to get it wrong. You know, I, I think about just like all the mini books and lined up on the shelf and I, that's how I think of you, but I don't, you know, often that's not the way authors see it themselves. So anyway. Oh, well, I certainly know I'm known as a children's book <laughs> art and I'm proud to be, you know, a, a children's book author. What, I mean, who wouldn't be? So no, I. Okay. All right. <laughs> what, what you said makes absolute sense. Okay. Well, yeah, tell me about moving into the music side of things. And by the way, I can't tell you how many times I've tried to, because a lot of the books have little musical notes, like to encourage the reader to sing them. So I've made up so many songs, like based oh, on the words that are so bad, by the way. Anyway, how did you get into that part? Oh, well, I have four children, as you do. And when my youngest was six and went off to a full day of school, finally, something I had always wanted to do and couldn't with a, a you know young child at home was to to try to do something about the children's <laughs> I don't know how to say this diplomatically <laughs> um, you know do something about children's music I wanted to do music that I would like to listen to with my children and and that wasn't condescending and wasn't cutesy and wasn't difficult for me. I wanted to do something that parents wouldn't leave the room when it was on. And I still, I still hear from people like on social media, you know, people who say their kids are long gone and they put the album on in the car, you know, like to listen to it. And that, it matters a lot. So, you know, just to follow the, the sense that, you know, I, I'm trying to work for all ages, but not exactly consciously. I guess it's mostly because I'm the first audience for them. So I'm just, just, first and foremost, doing them for me. Well, there's definitely something super joyful with like this sense of humor and everything. And it, it, it kind of reminds you not to take life so seriously. I feel like that's like the message. I don't know if you feel like there's a message, but. I think so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I read 
not that long ago, but it's now probably 15 years ago, the all quotation I'd never seen, all art is self-portrait, and it's attributed to various people. And that, I mean, that startled me when I saw it. And I go, okay, let me look, let me look <laughs> at my art. And I, I was actually pleased. I said, oh, uh, okay, I'm, I'm pleased with this, this self-portrait because I am by nature optimistic and playful, a little skeptical. <laughs> but you can see that in my animals. They look, their expressions are usually not, you know, if they they have a big smile on their face, it's usually a little bit panicked looking. So, you know, the we're all in the human condition, I guess. And I think making making seeing the bright side of things, I think, is important without without it being inauthentic. And that's important to me. It's authenticity is a very important thing to me that it's not that you're not strategizing your message, that you're just trying to be, I'm just trying to be my my truest. My truest, better self, not my truest self. I love that. So do you still like all day long work on craft? Like, tell me like what, it, how does work fit into life? Which parts of it are you most focused on now? Like, how do you divide all your time? Oh, <laughs> if you asked anyone who knew me, they'd say, um, I'm never, including my children, you know, now that my children aren't home anymore. And and my husband died seven years ago, I which saw is that I'm so sorry, which is, uh, it's really, it's really hard. We were, we were, we were very happy and Aww. we were a good team. And so I tend to work a little, people would say compulsively, it's just where I can find comfort and meaning. So I can work and I have a ridiculous capacity for work. So I can work, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, you know, and, and enjoy it. I mean, right now I'm working on not one, but three calendars for 2023, which is very disorienting wow. in time. Because when someone says, can you believe it's already September 2021? I'm going, really? It's only 2021? <laughs> um, you know, and and it's a lot of work and I like the detail of it. I'm I'm kind of a process person. It's why it's why I loved being in a recording studio. You know, I produced all the songs that are on the albums and I loved being in a recording studio. And in a sense, the director, theater director that I thought I was going to become, I was able to become by going into the into the recording studios. And I think I've done, I don't know, 75 sessions, maybe more. And it's it's exhilarating. It's my favorite place to be. Sometimes it's just really nice having someone tell you what to do. <laughs> yes. I'm like if I could just wake up, could someone just like tell me what to do today? Pick out my outfit. Like, can I just like go back to that for just a minute? That would be nice. When you find that person, could you could you loan them to me for just a little bit? <laughs> I guess we could share this person. I'll think about okay, it. Okay, good. Yeah, Fair enough. <laughs> Yeah, there is something comforting to that. Well, I'm really sorry about your loss. And I read that your husband had cancer and that must have just been the worst. I don't know. It was, how the, you... it was, it was the worst. And he was, he was an athlete and he was obsessive about his health and his fitness and, and just the kindest person you'd ever want to meet. And there's no making sense of it. So there it is. And so what do you do on the hardest days? Like when the days you feel like knocked off your feet? I draw. The, the writing of music is really, really helps. And sometimes, it, I mean, I I wrote a song, serious, not kids song, called Bethlehem Lullaby last Christmas time. Just suddenly wanted to write it. And I got in touch with 
Mike Ford, who's the wonderful pianist and computer genius and everything that, that we've, we've done all the, all our albums together. And I said, I want to do this and there's no time. And then I asked my, my daughter and we we're all in separate places. This is, this is last, I guess it was the end, maybe early December, end of November. And we did it remotely and put it together. And it's, and then I did it as a simple animation and my, my skills are, are very primitive animation. And I, it's one of the things I'm most I'm most proud of that I've done. Wow, that's amazing. Do you ever write in long form, like to tell a whole story? Like, would you ever write about what happened, or like, does that help you, or is it more the visual or the song it's, or the or the audio or long long form doesn't seem to be my strength. I mean, even even as a student, if there was a twenty page paper, I go. How would you fill 20 pages? And whereas other people say, wait, really? How am I going to keep it to 20 pages? So I, I seem to be a miniaturist. And that's that's fine with me. It does mean I can grasp what, what I've written or drawn. I can't imagine being a novelist. I can't, how do you how do you know where you are? How when do you then go to fix it? How do you know you can't see the whole shape of it? You can't experience it as one thing. Whereas with music or with a drawing or with a, you know, 11 spread book, you can perceive the whole thing. Wow. So now at this point of your life and career and everything else, like what advice would you have for an aspiring author or an aspiring illustrator or somebody who wants to get out there and and make a difference with what they're doing in this world? Well, I wish I had advice because for one thing, the world has changed. The publishing world has changed so much. I don't understand it. And of course, I'm not trying to get started now, so I don't know what people would do. But but really, my advice, and it's it sounds oversimple, but it isn't. It, it's and it's not know what you want to do. It's know what to say no to. That's more important. <laughs> know what you don't want to do because your time is precious. And yeah, you know, and the corollary to that is the follow your your dreams thing. But but most importantly is to yeah. And saying no to to things means you end up with with more time and more focus and more room to figure out your next steps and what you want what you want to work on. What do you wish you'd said no to? I've been pretty good at saying no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't know where I got that from. Oh, my parents were wonderful, and as I said, my dad was a teacher, my mom was an artist, and they had four daughters, no sons, and I think. Looking back, I think that was probably in that era. I was born in the 50s, grew up in the 50s, 60s. An incredibly important thing that their conscious and unconscious expectations were all on us. And that's of value. So, and so that combined with this remarkable Quaker school I went to all the way through, I, I just had a pretty, and I think people who went to Germantown Friends had a pretty clear sense of where they where they could help and where they were nourished. And that's that's the best gift I ever got is that education and, and the family I was born into. I could just send this little clip of video and they could put it on their website maybe for Germantown Friends fundraising oh. <laughs> if you want. Perfect. <laughs> And then you don't have to, you know, help them out the next time. You could just like take the clip and, you know. That sounds great. Okay. I'll do All right, perfect. Okay. I'll send you the video. I appreciate that. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Thank you for just so many hours of time where you've like brought a smile to my face on like a darker day and like made bedtime and bath time and all that stuff that can be so stressful. Having this infusion of, of levity and the sense of humor and understanding that you're still like a person as you're dealing with the stress of kids has been really, really helpful throughout the years. So, Oh, thank, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I don't know you, but my impression is you are very much someone who has a good North star, a sense of who you are and where you need to be. And I honor that. Like going to make me cry. <laughs> yes. Oh. Thank you. Well, you know, we do what we can and life is short. We, we do what we can. It's exactly, it's a, it's a great motto. Yeah. We do what we can, which I, is, which is it. Yeah. That's all you can do. Do what you can. Yeah. yeah. Well, I will be thinking of you in your studio, 12 to 15 hours a day. I will be here uh, for 12 to 15 hours a day. Just call, just call me at 2 a.m. Totally. We'll talk. You can just text me. I'll just be in the same spot, you know. I'll, t- I'll text you. That's perfect. All right. <laughs> it was such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you, you so much. Thank you. And I'm really sorry again about your husband. Thank you. Okay. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 